Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. The Junkies in the Morning, the Dan Patrick Show, and Grant and Danny while you work. Wes McElroy on the way home. No! This is Richmond Sports Radio, 910 The Fair and 105.1 FM. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Gut Check with Colin Gutman here on the New Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now 105.1 FM. We have Brian Stabby with us, editor for Hogs Haven. Great Washington football blog, Twitter at BStabby. Welcome to the show, Brian. Ah, thanks for having me on, Colin. I'm happy to be here. Great. So the last four-game four game win streak has us on a real roll in first place. And we're seeing shades of RG3 and Todd Collins, mm. division-winning teams getting hot to make a run. How much of this is sustainable and we're like a 4-0 and team versus how much of this is the under-500 team that had no shot when they were 2-7 and with kind of bad competition and a little luck? Yeah, I think there's no question that this team is hot and they're kind of riding that hot hand. Uh, you know, that said, you kind of have to play the hand you're dealt. Um, there's a reason that this team was so poor to start the season. There was, you know, they're dealing with dysfunction. They're dealing with personnel questions. They're dealing with injuries. They're dealing with sort of a lot of external factors that are beyond their control as it relates to on and off the field um, things that are going on around the Washington football team. But, you know, they've shown some real signs of improvement. I mean, are there other divisions, are there teams in other divisions who aren't winning their division but would be winning this one? Yes, of course there are. But that's not the way things work. And Washington has really seemingly embraced some of these uh, goals of culture shift that Ron Rivera has brought in coming to D.C. And they're starting to flourish. And are they a finished product? No, certainly not. Have they developed at a rate, I think, a lot of people would have expected, um, not expected. Are they going faster than you would have thought? I think yes, absolutely. Uh, but you know, the process is coming to them more quickly than anticipated, and so they're just kind of trying to ride it out. So I think that the offense completely changes when Dwayne comes in the game, not just with his play, but even the way the game is called. Yeah. Trying to really scales it back. Do you think he's right to scale it back and go ultra-conservative? Or do you think that given that Dwayne's strength is his arm, we should be playing a much more vertical game and letting him kind of air it out and see what happens? Yeah. I mean, my perspective is it can't get much worse than the Haskins we've seen. You might as well try something different. Well, you kind of hope that getting demoted from the starting job was a wake-up call to Dwayne Haskins and that the guy we're going to see starting this week 
is different than the one who was benched. And, you know, we he came in at halftime, totally unenviable situation last time, and he had a few nice passes. You know, there were a couple plays where it sort of looked like he was in rhythm, ball was where it needed to be, and then, for whatever reason, the game sort of started to speed up for him a little bit, and it just, he looked a little bit more out of sorts. I think in order to put him in a position to be successful this weekend, they are going to need to shorten up the playbook a little bit. They're going to need to go back to short passes and sort of not overly complicated route combos just so that there's a feeling of comfortability. This feels like a massive game for him, both for his future with this club and in the NFL, and like he can really shape the trajectory of what the rest of his career will look like. And it's like, okay, well, no pressure, but... I would not be surprised if they don't uncork one over the top, one or two, because he does have that arm strength, as you mentioned, but they, I don't really think that they want to give him too much to handle at this point. So you're expecting a conservative game, even if Gibson doesn't play. But what do you do when you do pass? Do you say, we don't have a clear two or three receiver? You know, Logan Thomas, great some games, invisible others, McKissick. Do you take what the defense gives you and have Dwayne make reads, or do you just say, we're going to force-feed Terry, and half of our passes are going to target Terry, no matter what the coverage is, and we're going to trust him to beat his guys? Yeah, I I mean, it's clear that Terry McLaurin is Dwayne Haskins' safety blanket. You know, they have this measure of familiarity with each other going back to Ohio State. He is the best offensive player that they have at any position. It is clear. Uh, I don't know that he's an all-pro guy just yet, but I think if there's a chance for one within the next couple of years, at least on offense, it's going to be him. I will say the Logan Thomas that we're seeing right now is much improved than the one that was playing while Dwayne Haskins was in his first stint at the beginning of this season as the starter. He has really taken steps forward in basically every single game, starting with, I want to say, the Lions game. And provides some, it provides a pretty viable and valuable tool where, you know, maybe they don't have a, a gangbusters number two receiver. Steven Sims has shown signs of improvement as well. But clearly, you know, you're not taking Steven Sims if you're a team that has another r- receiver. Uh, I think... They will try to get Terry McLaurin the ball. Teams, though, who shade two guys over the top or try to bump him at the line and then have a linebacker and safety over the top because they know he's the weapon, you're leaving yourself vulnerable for other players to get open and create space and make catches. And so if they decide that we're going to try to shut down McLaurin and whatever else they get, they get. That is one way to go at it, but we've seen teams over the course of this winning streak try to do just that, and it has not worked out for them. Final question on the offense. The patchwork left side of the line seems to be playing a lot better. How are you feeling about Wes Schweitzer on one hand and Cornelius Lucas on the other as long-term fits in the starters of next year, or what do you think we'd do at those two positions? Long-term fits. I Personally, I have not seen enough out of them both of them, really the whole unit, to say that this is the set of guys that they're going to roll with going forward. Frankly, I think that the offensive line has been 
you know, maybe they've shown some signs of improvement, but they are still a weak spot on this team. And it really, truly makes it hard to properly evaluate the other elements of the game on offense. How good is Dwayne Haskins? How how good is Alex Smith right now? What is this running game? How talented are our receivers? It makes it really, really hard when opposing defensive linemen are constantly in the backfield and in the lap of whoever's playing quarterback at that time. I, I still think, you know, we've seen some improvement on with Antonio Gibson, but how can you really truly evaluate him when you don't feel like you have a, a unit in the offensive line that can even properly run block and create some space? I think that is going to be a point of emphasis on this team for improvement, targeted improvement in this offseason. And they're going to have an open competition, I don't know, though, if those two guys are the answer long-term for the future, though. So, other than the tight ends, are, are you thinking that those two guys are the reason for the pressure? Because I think the right side and really played pretty well. Is it Schweitzer is playing poorly? Is it Lucas? You know, who do you think is kind of creating the dynamic problems on the offense? Yeah, it's hard, I think, to pin it on just one guy or one or two guys, and you know, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound so dour and down. I mean, they are on a winning streak. Things have gotten better. But, you know, if they had been able to go out and get another guy in, you know, last off season to sort of shore that up, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, losing Trent Williams was, was a bummer. Brandon Sheriff is, in my mind, the only, if I'm picking one if I'm picking a, starting an NFL team from scratch and I'm looking and trying to pick guys off rosters, Brandon Sheriff is probably the only guy that I'm taking to roll with on an offensive line. Obviously, that's not how things work, you know, in short of a expansion draft. But they, they've they've had to do some things on offense that I think have benefited Lucas and Schweizer on that left side of the line. We've seen some pretty good pass blocking uh, in the past few weeks from the running backs, J.D. McKissick going out into coverage, but then Peyton Barber has ended up being a better pass blocker than I think a lot of people would have anticipated. They, you just kind of just have to game play to your strengths and your weaknesses, and they don't have an offensive line right now that can create a long pocket that allows a quarterback to go to their second and third options on passing offense that allows a running back to just hit the hole and go on when, you know, in the running game, are they better than they've been? Yes. Are they the guys who I think are the answer for the long-term future? I think probably not at this point. Yeah. I think Mo- Moses deserves a lot of credit for the way he's played, but probably the competition left tackle is the biggest thing to watch next year. Yeah, Do certainly. Have any theory? on why the offense is starting so slowly every week. It's tricky because my instinct is to say, well, it's coaching, that your coaches are there to make sure your guys are ready to go from the first snap. I have been pretty impressed with sort of the coaching, at least in terms of culture shift and progression over the course of this season. This is a very different team than we saw in week one. And... Obviously, players develop individually, but their ability to gel together is a function of of leadership and a function of coaches getting them to where they need to be. 
But you're right. Uh, the offense does seem to start slowly, and it's like, okay, why do they only start playing when they're down 10 or down 17? Uh, and, you know, it's it's worked out for them the last few weeks. They've, they've made some nice comebacks. Their second-half play has been fantastic. If I had to posit another... Um, you know, hypothesis as to why I'd say it's still a fairly young team. It's a fairly inexperienced team and they're still trying to get to know each other. I think we take for granted when guys play together for long periods of time, when there's extreme, you know, extreme periods of continuity and, you know, there are examples up and down the league. You think about like Tom Brady in new England for so many years, Ben Roethlisberger has been at the helm in Pittsburgh and has been taking first team reps for over, you know, almost, (laughs) coming up on two decades frankly and so when you have that continuity things come a little bit more seamlessly you don't have to think so hard and Washington just doesn't have that I mean for the receivers when the ball is coming out of a quarterback's hand it comes out differently for different quarterbacks and so you have to adjust to that when you've seen three different quarterbacks over the course of a season it's hard snap counts are different the way that they hand the ball off so just that sort of kind of ease into the game I think it would be fantastic to see them do it before halftime but you know you can't argue with results but certainly that is something that I'm sure they'd like to improve yeah I think that's a fair point that Rivera gets praised a lot for turning over what was a roster that clearly couldn't cut it last season yeah but that creates lack of continuity right it's a double-edged sword so to wrap it up I, I want a prediction Mm-hmm. What happens in the next three games? Do we make the playoffs? And if so, how far do we go? And we'll close the loop on this after the year and see how it ended up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, kind of shockingly, just four things have to happen in order for them to win the division. If Cleveland beats the Giants this week, Arizona beats Philadelphia this week, Washington beats Carolina next week, and Baltimore beats the Giants next week, that's it. And it sort of seems crazy to think, like, okay, well, they can go one and two and still make the playoffs. Uh, I think they are going to exceed that uh, performance. I have them losing, but taking the points this week narrowly to a very talented Seattle team. And then you win over Carolina and you get the Eagles in the last week of the season. That may or may not matter for the Eagles. I mean, they're not going to roll over. They do not want to see a division rival celebrating on their field uh, as winning a division title. But... Yeah, I think they are definitely in the driver's seat right now, and they kind of have everything going their way. They can't afford to lose a game. They can afford to lose two games and still make the playoffs. And, you know, I started off by saying you play the hand you're dealt. The NFC East is the hand they've been dealt. You got to just roll with it and take what's given to you. You you take an opportunity to go to the dance 10 out of 10 times. Um, If the season ended today... They would be playing the Seahawks in the playoffs, so perhaps this coming week is the preview of what could be a playoff matchup. It's it's hard to say, you know, without having even played them once, what the run looks like. But if you are able to sort of build some momentum over the latter portion of your season, as they have done, and you get in, I think all bets are off. And I think that. Do I think this is a Super Bowl winning team? No, not yet. But do I think they could potentially win a playoff game if they get in? Yes, absolutely. If it comes down to Week 17 against the Eagles, I'm nervous. Oh, yeah. I still remember <laughs> losing to the Giants when they had nothing to play for and we had everything to play for. Oh, yeah. And they were banged up and we were better and we missed the playoffs. So 
I'm hoping we wrap it up next week. Brian Stabby, thank you for coming on the show. Tell people where to find you. Uh, you can find me at bstabby on Twitter. Uh, we also have the the Cult of Cult podcast at the Cult of Cult, also on Twitter, and on Hogshaven uh, at Hogshaven on Twitter, Hogshaven.com. Uh, we got some fantastic writers, and uh, we're always looking for folks who want to contribute.